appreciated. If you get your Bible, Mark chapter 5. Mark 5, amen. I'm going to use an illustration I used two years ago. But I know some of you, you will remember it. <laughs> As preachers can't get away with anything. Amen. So, uh, amen. Uh, so, if you've heard it before, just uh, say, I'm going to hear it again with a smile. Amen. So, uh, but anyway, I was reading about the Badwater Ultimate Racing. Uh, it is the world's toughest foot race covering 135 miles of nonstop running. Now, I can run two miles pretty much nonstop, but any more than that, you have to give me some air. But 135 miles, imagine that nonstop running. The Badwater runs the most demanding and extreme race anywhere on the planet. Uh, the, start, uh, the starting line is Death Valley, California, uh, which marks the lowest elevation in North America at 130 degree temps in the summer. The race finishes at Mount Whitney, California, which is the highest point in the United States uh, with frigid temps. A man by the name of Scott Jurek, uh, uh, he said he's the greatest ultimate marathoner in the world today. So anyway, he's uh, preparing himself to go on this run. He was actually at a 120-mile marathon two weeks before he was asked to do this one. And uh, he finally agreed, but he said, listen, my body's tired. It's pretty wore out. Uh, I just did 120 miles, but he agreed to do it anyway, but he knew that what it was going to take, a lot of hard work, pressing, uh, pushing through. Uh, uh, so anyway, he agreed, but on the 60-mile mark in the middle of the race at, the 100, at 130 uh, temp, degree temp, his body began to break down. He was 12 miles behind the guy in first place. He's on his knees heaving for 10 minutes. Two miles back, he plunged himself in a tub of ice, trying to cool himself down, but that didn't help. He began to tell himself, though, the only way you're going to win this race is get up and run the fastest you've ever ran. And he did get up, uh, and he said he, for the next eight miles, he ran the fastest he's ever ran, uh, and he ended up setting a record at 24 hours and 36 minutes. You know, the moral here is we can do more than we think. Uh, many many times we think we're, we're done, we're finished, uh, we can, we can push ourselves. We can achieve more, accomplish more. Uh, and this man shows this. Let's go to Mark 5. We see some breakthrough in our text. Mark 5, we start at verse 1. So he came over to the other side of the sea uh, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the ship immediately, there met him uh, out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because that he had been bound uh, with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. In other words, he went to program after program, and they, they wouldn't help. Uh, they tried, people tried to help. They said, hey, listen, uh, let, us, let us have a crack up. They couldn't, they couldn't help him. He kept breaking, uh, amen, verse 5 in a way. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried out with a loud voice and said, uh, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you uh, by God that you do not torment me. Verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, Say, My name is Legions, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly 
that he would not send them away out of the country. There's a large herd of swines feeding there on the mountain. And all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swines, uh, that we may enter into them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, the unclean, and the unclean spirits went out of him and entered into the swine. There's about 2,000 swines. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Verse 14. So those who fed the swines fled and told, uh, and told in the city and in the country that they went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and with legions seating and clothed in his right mind, they were afraid. And they, and they that saw them uh, told how it happened, how that he was possessed with demons and about the swines. They began to beg uh, him to depart from their region. And he got into a boat, and he, had, and he, had been, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends, tell them the great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis uh, all that Jesus had done for them, and all the men did marvel. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you tonight, God, to breathe on this word, to minister by your spirit. God, we need breakthrough. God, we need the willpower, God, to. Uh, uh, get past things, God, to break through things. I pray tonight, give us that strength. Uh, God, we know that strength comes from you. I'm asking you tonight, uh, God, to fortify us. God, strengthen us, I pray, by the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm preaching the power of the will tonight. You know, uh, too many times we sit around and think about our problems. Too many times we're not careful we can just sit around and think about how bad we got it, uh, how bad life is, how we get to shorten the deal. Uh, uh, and if, we don't, if we're not careful, our mind can be consumed with our problems. Uh, I know people do that. They just sit around all day and all evening. Uh, uh, their problems just mount up in their mind. Uh, and that's all you think about. How many know it just keeps rehearsing? Uh, it's like a movie just keeps uh, replaying over and over and over again. Uh, but... So we got problems, but in our text, this guy's got really bad problems. Our problems compared to his is really on the low. Uh, amen. So the Bible's given us a bad case here. A guy that has massive problems. He's hanging around the graveyards. He's cutting himself, crying out, running around naked, uh, and he's filled with demon spirits. That's problems. Uh, amen. So when we, got, we think we got problems, uh, let's read Mark 5 next time. Let's read uh, and really compare uh, because we don't have the problems we think we have a lot of times. The Bible said he had legions of demons. A legion is a military term. Uh, is a Roman detachment of 6,000 soldiers. Uh, so, uh, uh, so the word of God said he had a legion or a legions. Uh, so he has at least 6,000 demons living in him. Uh, even more, that's problems. This man has severe problems. Uh, and they're affecting his behavior. I mean, running around naked, cutting himself, uh, uh, crying out. Uh, I mean, uh, that's severe problems. And so we have problems, but we don't have problems compared to him. But what I want you to focus in on, when he sees Jesus uh, afar off, the Bible said he came and worshipped, uh, fell down his feet and worshipped. What this is telling us, there's not one demon uh, 
not even 6,000 demons that can stop a man or woman uh, who wants to be set free from their problems uh, and delivered. Uh, Amen. We all have the power, the will tonight uh, to push past our problems uh, and go to Jesus and get deliverance. Verse 6 says, uh, when he saw Jesus afar, he ran and worshipped him. So I simply want to make... uh, the statement here, 6,000 demons couldn't stop a man uh, who was set on deliverance. Listen, all of hell tonight, all the demons in hell, all the, the voices in life cannot stop a man or woman uh, that really want to be set free, that want to have a, uh, a relationship with God, want to have a clear mind. Clear, that can, none of that can stop us. We can all achieve that tonight. And the reason we can achieve that because God has given us a will. Now, I want to look at this for a minute. God has given each one of us a will, uh, and that's what makes us unique. That's what makes us uh, better than the animals, the dogs, the cats, uh, and all the other animals, uh, because they're silly. They, they don't have a will. They can't choose. They can't, okay, I'm going to decide. I'm going to do this in life. Uh, they don't have that power, but you and I do. You and I have a will tonight. We can choose. We can make decisions. Uh, we can make moral decisions. Uh, Genesis 2. Say, God formed man out of the dust of the ground <coughs> and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and made him a living soul. This is what makes a difference from all the other creation is that we have a choice uh, and a will. God has put the ability to make decisions in us. Amen. The image of God in you and I is our soul, and our soul has a will. And our will must, and we must choose tonight. We can't just float through life uh, and just say, well, whatever happens. No, we have to choose tonight. We have to make decisions. We have to choose things. Uh, that's what makes us unique tonight. And because we have a soul, God expects you and I to make choices uh, how we're going to live, uh, how we're going to behave, what we're going to allow to traffic through us tonight and in us. Uh, how we're going to act in life, the attitude we're going to... We choose all that. We can't just throw it off. Hey, I'm German, I'm, I'm Irish, I'm whatever, uh, I'm black or I'm white. Uh, no, we're ch- we choose this stuff. <coughs> we have a choice tonight. We have a will, and we must choose, and we do choose. Uh, when people live the, uh, live in, uh, where they always have a bad attitude, they've chose to be like that. When they're, uh, when they're always mean and grouchy, they've chose to be like that. They can't say, well, that's just the way I am. No, you chose to be that way. Because we have a will tonight. We make decisions. Uh, we have to make decisions, and we do make them. Right. Genesis. God told Adam and Eve, you can eat from all, every tree of the garden, uh, but the one tree you can't. The one tree I, I've dedicated to myself. So they have a choice to make, and they have to make a choice. Uh, they can make the choice, I'm going to live within the framework of God's word, what God says. I'm going to eat of all the other trees. I'm going to honor uh, God's word, not touch that one. Or I'm going to violate God's word, and I want to touch the one. And we know then the story, man, they chose uh, to disobey God. They chose uh, uh, to take from that tree. They chose to eat of that, uh, and they suffered the consequences, but they made a choice to do that. Deuteronomy 30, verse 18. Moses, in his farewell sermon, he tells Israel, So I call heaven and earth to record, to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you 
and your seed may live. <coughs> now think about this, excuse me. After all that Moses done for them, he's led them for 40 years to the wilderness. He's brought them 10 commandments down from the mountaintop. He's given them a tabernacle. He's brought miracles to them. But at the, at the end of the day, he said, you're going to have to make a choice. After all this said and done, we can have a great church service. We can have righteous friends uh, around us. We can see the miracles of God. But at the end of the day, we have to choose how we're going to live. We have to choose if we're going to obey the word of God. We have to choose uh, what we're going to partake of in the kingdom of God. Uh, we have to choose. Moses said, choose life. Uh, I'm going to give you some good counsel here. Uh, choose life, the good things of God that you can live and your descendants can live. Uh, but then you have to choose. We have to make a decision, and we do make decisions, uh, even when we don't think we are making them. You know, this is the power of the will tonight. Fathers, mothers, your choices uh, and decisions are going to affect your children. That's what Moses said. Be wise how you choose uh, because your descendants are going to be touched by your decisions. When a father decides to be a good husband, a good father, uh, listen, that trickles down to the children. And the mother decides to honor her husband uh, uh, and be a good wife. Uh, that trickles down to them children. And the children grow up uh, being behaved, they grow up knowing how to respect and honor uh, older people, adults, because mom and dad made decisions a long time ago. Uh, we're going to treat each other right in the home. We're going to speak to each other right. Uh, we're going to do what's right because they made decisions now. Other uh, kids have a chance in life. God has invested into you and I the, the ability to choose. Joshua 24, 15. He said, if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, because there's always people complaining about something. So if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you're going to serve, because you have to choose. Whether the gods of, of which your forefathers served on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. So there's always people in the camp uh, uh, that don't think serving God is as, as miraculous as as miraculous as it is. They always think, you know, uh, serving God, they're falling short somehow. Something's not right. Something wrong. So he says, "Listen, if you want to serve the other gods, you want to do it." But I'm serving God. Yeah. So we have to make a decision who we're going to serve. Uh, we can't just float around in life again. Uh, we just can't say, "I'm not going to make choices," because we do choose. We're going to choose. We have to choose. Uh, God put that will in us. Elijah stands on Mount Carmel, First uh, Kings 18, and said, how long will you flutter between two opinions? Uh, he was telling them, listen, you can't uh, stand uh, uh, and, and have it both ways. You can't have the world and have God. You can't uh, be angry and have the peace of God. You can't be bitter uh, and have the grace of God. You can't have both. You know, the message of the gospel is meant to engage uh, people's will. Bring us to a choice. That's why when you hear preaching, you get convicted because preaching is designed, uh, amen, to stir something in us to bring us to a decision. When I preach or when somebody preaches up here, we're not just up here telling stories and, and do, we're trying to bring you to a decision somewhere. We're trying to make some uh, people make some decisions, make some choices that are good that can help them. Luke 13, Jesus says, Strive to enter to the narrow gate, for many 
will see, but uh, many will seek and will not enter. You know why? Because they don't make the right choices. I know people say, I want to live for God, but all their choices are against God. They say, I'm going to do the will of God, but everything they do is not the will of God. It's like Jesus said, listen, you can start off well, but if your choices are not right, uh, they're going to pull you off the track. Look, secondly, the world's strategy against your will. How many know the world is not for you tonight? They're not for you, amen. Jesus is for you, but the world is not. Uh, I believe there's a strategy against our will today uh, in our society. The enemy uh, is convincing people that they're weak, they're powerless, unable to make decisions. Uh, uh, Amen. That's the world's voice today. We see it in these marches. We see it in all these protests. Uh, People are just following following along. Many of them don't have a clue what's going on out there. They're just following... Because uh, that's what the world says to do. Nehemiah, very interesting if you read that book. Israel is engaged in rebuilding the walls. They have an ambition here. They have a passion for uh, to see God move again. They have a passion to see the will of God established uh, and have a, a temple they can worship. And once again, immediately the enemy comes in and begins to make, <coughs> begins to hurdle insults uh, and threats. But Nehemiah challenges Israel to fasten on your swords, put your swords on your side and fight uh, for your families. Amen. So uh, the, the idea is in that portion of the scripture is, listen, the world's always going to have voices against you. <coughs> Excuse me. There's always going to be people that are, are hurling insults and threats. So you can't do this or you can't do that. But the challenge from scripture is, listen, uh, strap your sword on your side. And begin to fight. Because we have to make a choice here. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, maybe you've been told all your life you're weak, you're helpless, you're powerless. What's the point? People are told that. I counsel people that that's their story. They tell me, listen, uh, from when I was this big growing up, my mom, my dad, my uh, people I looked up to told me I was never going to accomplish. I was never going to be anything. Uh, they grow up with that. They say, you're just, uh, that's just the way you're born. You're always going to be like this. You're never going to change. Uh, and they make them a victim to society. That's the way our society wants it anyway. Our text, though, the world's answer is to bind him up with medicine and programs. Look at verse 4. He had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles Broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Their answer was, just strap him up somehow. Put him in a nut house. Put him on some medicine. Uh, give him enough, on, put him on enough antidepressants where he can't think uh, and move around. But somehow, <coughs> he's breaking out of that because, listen, uh, that's what the world does. But our text shows us, listen, we can make a choice uh, and we can change. You may know the story of Wilma Rudolph. It's a very interesting story. At the age of four, she became crippled and unable to walk. To make matters worse, her family was poor. They could not afford medical care. Her mother, but her mother decided that she would do everything possible uh, to see Wilma walk again. So in those days, I mean, they didn't have the medical we have today. So especially if you're poor, but her mother said, listen, uh, I want to see my daughter walk. I'm going to do everything I can to help her. And that, uh, 
by the, uh, so by the time she was eight, she could walk on leg braces. Three years later, her mother came home to her surprise uh, to see Wilma playing basketball barefoot by herself in the backyard. A track a coach encouraged her to start running. She ran so well during her senior year in high school, she qualified for the 1956 Olympic in Melbourne, Australia. She won the bronze medal in the woman's 400-meter relay. In 1959, she qualified for the 1960 Olympics Games in Rome by setting a world record in the 200-meter. At the Olympics that year, she won two gold medals, one for 100-meter race and the other for 200-meter race. But the key to it is this. I want you to listen here. The key to it said so when Wilma Rudolph was growing up, the attitude was, don't make excuses. Do everything you can to get better. Her mom said, I don't want to hear your excuse. You can't walk. I want to hear it as you're full of pain. It's agony. I want to hear it. Uh, do the best you can. Uh, get up and do something. That was the attitude uh, in that day, in that generation. And, and, and Wilma Rudolph said later, that's what pushed her. Uh, there was no, oh, oh, you know, feeling sorry for me. It was like, uh, uh, get up, push yourself. You can do this, accomplish this. Uh, that was the attitude that we need today. People need to be pushed to be better. Amen. Because we can be, we can all be better. Today it's all you hear is I can't. It's too hard. If you only knew my circumstances. I assure you that your life is not worse than Wilma Rudolph's. Amen. But today has some mindset in it. When the, I mean, especially teenagers all the way up. Uh, you try to push them. It's like... Uh, I can't. I, you know, that's all you hear. <laughs> Drives me crazy. <laughs> if you're going to do anything in life productive, you have to make a choice. If you're going to have a good mind, if you're going to have a good work ethic, you're going to have a good marriage, good family, you're going to have to make a choice. I, I'm going to work at it. Romans 8:37. Paul says, Nay, in all these things, I more than a conqueror through him that loves us. He said, I am persuaded, I've made a choice, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor heights nor death nor any other created uh, or other creatures shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a decision, right? That's a man that's made a decision no matter what happens in life. Uh, I'm not going to... Uh, fall in this uh, self-pity. I'm not going to beat myself up. I can't accomplish. I can't achieve. Uh, I'm going to keep pushing myself to go further. You know, make a decision uh, because the Bible said we, uh, we're, we're, we can be overcomers. Revelation 22. Whosoever, it's a, uh, whosoever will let him get the wrong scripture. Don't you hate you do that? You know, ten times in the New Testament, we find the words, whosoever will. Ten times the Word of God, New Testament, you read the Scriptures, uh, whosoever will. It's like it's reiterated over and over and over because we need to hear that over and over and over as you read the Bible. Uh, God says, you can accomplish, you can overcome, whosoever will. Uh, amen. You can do this. That's what Paul said. I've made a decision. Uh, doesn't matter what happens to me in life. I'm not going to let these little things control me. Uh, well, I'm going to believe God and, and see greater things even. You know, I've seen some people backslide, come back, make good decisions, and totally changed. 
Don't you love to see that? I mean, you see somebody, you know, when anybody leaves the church, it breaks your heart. Especially when they leave in sin, they backslide. Uh, it's heartbreaking. You've invested in them. You loved them. You cared about them. Uh, but they made a choice. And they make a choice, they go. But every once in a while, that one comes back. Uh, that's what happened in Luke 15, the prodigal son. You know, the story goes out, waste uh, his uh, living, uh, prodigal living. He's, he's wild, crazy out there. Went, went as far away from home as he could. Uh, but he came to his senses. Hallelujah. But what, he, what they're saying, he made a decision one day. He's thinking about what he has given up, what he's lost, what's in the father's house. Uh, he makes a decision. I'm going to go back to my father. And he rehearsed. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. Uh, I'm no longer worthy. Uh, amen. Uh, that was never his talk before that. Uh, but he makes a decision. And we can all make a choice. We can make these decisions. Uh, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to speak like that. I'm not going to act like that. Uh, but this is how I'm going to start speaking and acting. That's what he said. Uh, I'm going to change my speech. I'm going to say, Father, forgive me. Uh, I'm going to involve God in it. I've sinned against you and God. Uh, and he gets his heart right. And he comes back to be a totally brand new person. Our text said this man made a decision to run to Christ. And he seated clothed in his right mind. That's a miracle. But before the miracle came a decision from this crazy Crazy guy. He just simply made a choice. I'm going to go to Jesus. And the rest of the story is he's clothed and in his right mind. So don't tell me you can't change. Look, lastly, our will and God's will coming together. God has given you and I a will to choose his will. God has given you and I a will to choose. And we can't choose the will of God. Uh, even when it's hard, it's difficult to... Uh, it's strenuous, but we can choose the will of God, uh, and we can do the will of God. God's will is not automatic. Uh, it's, it's not, uh, sometimes it's not easy. It's not, you're not just going to automatically be in the will of God. You have to choose that. People have the mindset, they, well, what will be will be. No, you have to choose something. And you have to choose the will of God. Uh, and, and, and sometimes the will of God is not the easiest thing. We see this in our text. Look at, look at our text and kind of put your mind there. The crowd is all upset. Jesus has given these demons a right to go on these pigs. These pigs uh, said, we're not taking this. They run down a cliff, drown themselves. So everybody's lost money here. This is a, this is a hypocrite Jews anyway. They've lost all the money raising pigs to feed the Romans. Uh, so it's a mess. But everybody is upset here at Jesus because Jesus just cost them uh, a lot of money. Uh, and he's cost them a lot. So they hey, leave. Get out of here. Go. Uh, we don't want you here anymore. You're costing us too much money. Uh, and so Jesus gets in the boat. He's leaving. But the man who had just been delivered says these words, let me come with you. Jesus says, go home. Or he says, no, go home to your friends and tell them what great things I have done for you. So here we see a powerful truth here. Save me for a moment. We see a powerful truth. It's possible that what we want and what God wants are two different things. <clears throat> and at that, even in tough moments where our heart's right, we can choose to do the will of God, uh, and it turns out right. Uh, think about this man. He'd been saved all but half a day. Uh, he'd been delivered, set free, powerful miracles happen in his life. Uh, he's wanting to go to Jesus. Jesus says, no, uh, you go back to your friends and your family, uh, and he has the power of his 
uh, the will to do that, and we know he went back and had great success. The Bible said all the men marveled as he went back and began to proclaim. Uh, uh, Jesus said, if you keep reading commentaries on that, when Jesus came back the second time that region, it said that man had went through five cities there preaching the word of God. Uh, and when Jesus had come back, they welcomed him. Uh, all five cities welcomed him because this one man, uh, listen, he didn't get his way. He didn't get to go of Jesus. He didn't get to be a disciple. Uh, he didn't get, get in the boat with Jesus. But by his own will, uh, he did do what Jesus said to do. Go home. Uh, tell your friends and family. He's on his own. And he made it. Amen. This tells us how strong we can be. Amen. He's a half a day saved. Uh, we've been saved many times, many of us for many of years. Uh, we can do the will of God. We can do the will of God in hard, difficult times uh, and be successful. You know, when you're, when you're in the will of God, there's a power given to you. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. Uh, uh, amen. And there's the truth there. Amen. There's a power given to people that say, I'm going to do the will of God and engage himself in the will of God. There's a power given to you and I. There's a story of a blind man that hit the bullseye every time. And so what happened, uh, let me, the story goes, uh, they got a target down there, tw uh, probably 20 meters, uh, for 10 or 20 meters. Uh, they got this target, uh, and he pulled it, hits the bullseye, hits the bullseye. They're fascinated, man. How's he doing that? He's blind. He can't see the target, but he's pulling his weapon out uh, and hitting the bullseye every time. Uh, so as they begin to talk to this man, what this man would did, he, he uh, trained his ears to be sensitive. Uh, so what he would have them do is tap uh, on the target down there. They'd tap where he'd, he'd be able to hear that tap, and he pulled his weapon out. Boom, hits the target. He trained his ears, uh, amen, to hear the tapping and listen, the, the thought is that we can train our spirit, we can train our mind, uh, we can train our life. Uh, what's in the Word of God, I'm going to go that direction. I'm going to aim my life that way. Uh, I'm going to do the will of God, and we can hit the bullseye. We can be successful in doing the will of God. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Uh, amen. So you and I can do the will of God. We don't have to fall short. Uh, uh, we can accomplish something for God because God's given us a will to do that. Listen, every one of us have a will, and the way your life is turning out is because that's the way you've willed it. So I want to hear that. Well, it's true. You can choose to be a happy person, have a happy life. You can choose to talk well and have people talk well back to you. You can choose to have a good attitude, but if you choose the bad attitude, you choose to be bitter, hateful, listen, it's going to come back at you. We can't blame God for how life turns out. He's given us a will in the garden. Let me close here in the garden again. He gives them all the trees and joy, but that one's mine. And we know their will went the wrong way. But uh, listen, they had a will. They made a decision. You know, just think if they had made the right decision. That, that, you know, that's God's. We're not touching it. Uh, we're going to stay in the framework of God's will. We're going to eat off these trees. Uh, think how life would be. If we simply stayed in the will of God, we didn't let this flesh get crazy. Right? So let me close here. God's given us a will. And, and within that, there's a strength that 6,000 demons cannot stop. This man simply said, I'm going to,
fall down and worship God, and 6,000 demons couldn't stop him from doing that. Don't tell me you can't make right decisions. Don't tell me you can't have a good life uh, and make proper and right decisions, because if this man can, we can. Let's bow our heads tonight. Every head bow, every eye closed.